my name is Fariha Haq. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome you to an event at Middlebury in DC, uh, a live event uh, with my friend Tom Manitas. Uh, Tom and I know each other because we live in the same neighborhood. Our kids go to school together. Uh, we actually worked on a political campaign three years ago. That's how I actually got to know him. We lost in the campaign, but um, as in, you know, we became, you know, I, I gained a lot of friends, including Tom, which is, which was the silver lining of that campaign. Um, and uh, when I was um, in that campaign, we would actually meet with a lot of local politicians. And so anytime, you know, Tom would be in the, in the room, they would say, are you the Tom Manitas? And, um, you know, I learned about his work and I actually, Tom, I realized to do before I was preparing that I've actually never talked to you, you know, even though we, we, we see each other all the time, but I've never talked to you about your work as a lobbyist. I've never really asked you about your work on Capitol Hill, working for the Speaker of the House. And I just thought it would be great for our students to learn about that today. And then also, since you are the expert on finding a job on Capitol Hill, if you could tell us about that. Sure. Thanks, Rhea. Thanks for asking me to do this. Um, and I'll just say that you guys have a great advocate in Freya. She is like one of the fiercest, smartest um, political people in, that I experience and is very effective in what she does and she puts her mind to it. Um, so honored to be here. So a little bit of background on, on myself. I grew up in Washington, D.C. locally in this area, which is rare. Most everyone's from somewhere else. Um, but I got bit by the political bug early. And like most folks in this business, I did campaigns at a very young age. I worked on a local county executive's race as I was going to college. I took a semester off from college to work on a presidential campaign, the Gore campaign. I moved to Nashville, the Gore campaign headquarters, did the Florida recount when they lost to Bush. And then through, again, the nor normal ways to get to Capitol Hill, I did two different internships. One with my home, Senator, Senator Sarbanes. I was lucky enough to be a Senator Sarbanes intern. And then I uh, did an internship with uh, then minority whip Nancy Pelosi, she'd just become the first woman to ever be in leadership. Six months in, I became her summer intern. Well, I vacuumed the carpets better than any other intern and stacked the fridge better than any other intern. And so when it was time for me to go back to school for my very last semester, um, which I had an extra semester because I took that one off to do the core campaign, the chief of staff called me up and said, hey, our staff system's leaving in the leadership office, would you consider it? I said, oh gosh, I have this this semester of school remaining, he said, well, is there any way you can finish it up? I'm like, there's this new thing called online courses I think I can do, which back in the stone ages of 2002, there was one class a semester. So it took me two or two and a half years to finish my degree because my school is only offering one class a semester that I could qualify for to finish my degree. Um, anyways, long story short, I was with Nancy Post for nine years. It was an incredible experience, but I never had, would have gotten that job that was at the foot of history, not only witnessing her become the first woman to become leader of a party, first woman to become speaker, but the first African-American president. I was on the platform when President Obama was sworn in the first time, worked for his presidential campaign the second time and his inaugural the second time, um, but for those internships and in those campaigns, that uh, campaign experience. So anyone looking to get involved in this, in this world and you're early on in your career and you're in, in school, Internships and campaigns is where it's at. It's the whole reason people get to Washington, D.C. to do policy, to do politics. Someone was elected somewhere. I don't care if you're coming over as a, as a representative from a country for an embassy here. You're here because someone was elected back in your home country. Same thing as a United States senator, a congressperson, or a president. You come here 
because someone was elected. That's why campaigns are so important to work on and understand how they how they work and why they're there. So um, I, I got my start with Nancy Pelosi for nine years. I was so lucky to experience that. Like I was saying, went to the um, Obama reelect, but I went to the DNC and worked for W. Austin Schultz and she became chair, um, then transitioned to the camp, the reelect there, and then did President Obama's inaugural. And like most people want to work for the White House, but I learned the hard way that when you reelect a president, not many staff go anywhere. So there were very few positions open. And then at the same time, there was a, a hiring freeze at the federal government called sequestration at the time. And then I, I had no other option. We had our second kid coming. So then I went to the private sector. And what that is, is you're representing an industry itself or a company on behalf to the federal government. Uh, and whether that's a, a, a regulatory agency or Capitol Hill, um, you're, you have to represent that company and its beliefs. It's, you have to explain the company. Um, so when I first started in lobbying, as you asked for, uh, I was uh, the token Democrat hired to do lobbying for a new trade association at the time called the Internet Association. There were other trade associations around town that represented bigger tech, some that had big tech like Apple, which is hardware, they had Google, which is online, and they had Toyota, which is a computer on car, a car, uh, computer on wheels. Um, that was a broad, this was just the internet folks. So the founding members, these are old names at the time, even back in 2013, 2012, was Yahoo, AOL, Google, Facebook. And that was a time where internet companies could do no wrong. Capital wanted to talk to all of them all the time, and especially their new um, trade association. So when you become a lobbyist, you want to, for the most part, shed your partisan credentials. I was always a Democrat, but when I was in those offices lobbying, I was representing those companies that that trade association represented and the policy positions they took that would hopefully benefit their companies and their users that they represented. Then after two and a half years of the trade association, I hopefully in my mind came a tech lobbyist that was nonpartisan. And so that when Spotify approached me, um, I, I got the job lucky enough and started their DC office and a lot of their function of government affairs. Um, and I handled both the federal government and the state government for Spotify for six years. It's fascinating and exciting. So I joined Spotify at such an early stage of its, its trajectory before it was, uh, had an IPO, uh, for a public, uh, when, when the, the millions of users were in the single digits uh, in terms of their global reach and now they're in 170 countries. So really saw a transformation there. And then most recently I was lucky enough to come aboard a company called Block, which used to be called Square. It's Jack Dorsey's other company of right. Twitter. And um, Block is a, a really a suite of companies that does a, great, a, a lot of great work of like breaking down financial barriers and creating more financial inclusion for everyone from their Square products to Cash App, which a lot of people use, to the music streaming company Title, which is part of our companies. And then also, a really big push in the cryptocurrency and specifically Bitcoin now. So lucky enough to be able to explain cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and the, the interaction between small business and, and, and customers to the federal government and explain the issues that we as a company would care about and that would trickle down to the people who use our products. And during, um, you know, non-pandemic times, how much time do you spend physically on the Hill since you're a, you are a very well-known lobbyist? Yeah. As a federal lobbyist, you're spending a good amount of time on the Hill. Um, when, it depends what function of lobbying you are in. So I'm a, what's called an in-house lobbyist. I work for the company. I'm an employee of Block. Um, you have 
in-house lobbyists, you have trade association lobbyists, which for those that don't know, a trade association is a group of companies pooling their money together to have a government affairs and public affairs like comms, press, function, represent that industry as a whole. So the, the idea of a trade association, they say they're, you're the sword in terms of like you're running forward to government trying to drive a policy or you're the shield. You want this trade association to shield you from the bad policies and not have your name associated with it, but the industry represents you as opposed to the individual company. But those trade association lobbyists um, are frequently on the Hill more. And then you have contract lobbyists or people that you hire for the relationships that they have and the, the relationships they can develop for you that they have a subject matter expertise in terms of the policy area that they know the financial services committee really well or they know the judiciary committee really well and they can you can hire them to help you open the door and set up meetings for you those contract lobbyists they are paid to have those relationships and be on the hill all the time go to fundraisers know the members of congress the next is probably trade association folks who are paid to be the representatives of that industry that should know what policies are happening and representing the industry as a whole in-house lobbyists do a lot more in inter intra company facing work so i of my my meetings probably averages 50 percent in in-house meetings and 50 percent capitol hill but if you don't have a bill moving that you're that you're concerned with it could all, almost be like you might not be on the hill for a month at a time whereas those other two functions of lobbying are on the hill a lot more well thanks thanks for the insight i actually know i guess in a way this new pandemic it must be nice to be kind of home I mean, it's it's super efficient. I can I jammed like ten hill meetings both yesterday and today into my schedule, whereas like logistically that's not possible in non-pandemic times. But the the negative part is I'm not developing relationships like we used to. I mean, the, the chit chat and small talk that you develop with a staffer in person, or even just saying, hey, do you have do you happen to you might probably get coffee later down the road and uh, let's follow me. Those are done so much more frequently in non-pandemic times that you're really missing out both sides. I mean, not just because my function at the lobbies isn't as effective, but the staff are sitting there who would want to develop a relationship with me just for like helping them get a job later down the road or or getting smarter on an issue. That's not, it's harder to do in pandemic time. So we're definitely missing out. That's a really nice segue to one of the questions I had for you is how important is networking on Capitol Hill and networking in general, but especially on Capitol Hill. It's critical. Uh, in a lot of different industries, I find it uh, important, but in politics and policy, it's absolutely important. And it's never something you can stop doing if you want to be successful in this business. This business is built upon relationships. Um, the only bills that pass Congress these days are bipartisan uh, or barely bipartisan. And those relationships across the aisle matter just to like the relationship within industry. If industry is aligned on a piece of legislation, it's much easier to go together to capital to say this, this bill, this law needs to be changed to help us grow as an industry and represent America in a better place within industry. Um, so those relationships just functionally, whether they're in or outside the government, important, very important. Progressing your career is absolutely important. I mean, the only way I've gotten my jobs and I've helped, and by the way, I should, I should mention, I, I run a jobs board uh, that post jobs, a lot of what we do, my wife and I, other than just simply posting thousands of jobs and internships a week on our website, is we help people think through their career trajectory and figure out a way to get there. And what I always say is like, you, you need to have that huge web of people that know you that can then recommend you for that job. So in my first job off the Capitol Hill, I was, I relied upon a network of people to email and call the person 
doing my hiring to tell them how great I was. But if I'm just starting on Capitol Hill as an intern or trying to get my first internship, I need to build a network, ask people to do uh, coffees with me and ask people to do informational interviews with me, even on a Zoom or a phone call or hopefully in person that builds that network that I can then back turn back to to say, hey, I just applied to you know, Senator Rick Scott's office or Senator Diane Feinstein's office. Do you happen to know anyone in that office? And if the, if the person says, no, that's fine. But then they, if they do, they can send your resume over. And even though you always have to apply via the normal channel that is in that job posting, it always matters that someone else send your resume along. So the, the hiring manager hears good things about you and hears from people that they trust. So that's your key. If you're, you are networking to build up a network of people that you then send your resume into that, that next job or internship you want, and you have to do that. And the, the core of that is, first of all, you have to have the confidence that everyone in this business is doing exactly what you're doing. You're not inconveniencing people. I don't care if you think the chief of staff, the White House, the chief of staff, the minority leader, majority leader's office, they've all had to do this. They've all helped people do this, and people help them do it. So it's a very paid for mentality and policy and politics is that uh, people help each other out all the time. And you, you sometimes a lot of people feel like they're bothering folks, but it's the name of the game. You want to make it easy on the person you're asking. You, you want to be, be uh, cognizant and respect the, respectful of their time. And when you send a follow-up email to remind them that you're going to put them in touch with your, their friend Fariha and, and you attach your resume and you remind them and, and do it in a respectful manner, that's all important. Uh, but it's just the name of the game and it's what happens. So keeping track of your network, even if you're doing meetings with your day, day to day, I, I, and I advise many others to keep a spreadsheet full of people that you've networked with, to keep their name, their association, their email and phone number if you have, if you have it, and some notes from the meeting. So if you do an informational copy with me, you're gonna find out that I work for Pelosi, that I work for the Internet Association and Spotify. You've done that research ahead of time, so that when you're talking to me, you're like, well, how did you get that first job off the hill? Or how did you get, figure out what industry you wanted to go into? And then, you know, if you need an excuse to email me to keep you fresh in my mind in terms of if I'm thinking, if I see a job come across my email that I could recommend you for, or that I remember who you are, I, I saw your boss pass this bill, congratulations. I saw your favorite team or your, your college won a, a game. Um, staying in touch with those people based off of something that may, that is important to them is is super important. But making and fostering those relationships are key to success, not only in finding a job or internship, but then also doing your job day to day. And I one thing I wanted to ask you about was our students think that they're bothering somebody. They they're a little they feel awkward about this. How how do you, you get over that? And how do you not, I mean, how do you keep in touch with somebody without being annoying? Great question. So I always say uh, people are successful in of being persistent up to the line of being annoying. And that definition of annoying varies for people, right? So the, the general sense that I've gathered from talking to a bunch of people, asking them this question and then advising a lot of people is that if you're in the heat of a job search or an internship search and you're emailing ever, somebody who's said they'd help you every three to four weeks, that's okay. Every week, probably not okay. If you're just doing a check-in and like want to keep the relationship fresh, checking in with them every three, two to three or four months is totally fine. Again, if it's used in a way that not as like, hi, it's me again, I'm looking for a job, can you help me again? But rather, 
pay for you. I saw your uh, your your alma mater won this championship, or I, a, a friend of mine, um, their daughter got into your college, and that cool. I hope you're doing well. Oh, by the way, I'm still looking. That in that, if it's done in a in a way that's more about them, I found it much more successful. Um, and that that is the key. But ask a lot of people what they would think as annoying. Ask folks what they've seen as to being persistent for being online being annoying. The one thing I will say is that when it, when you're talking about getting a job and you've applied for a job, going back to those people to ask them multiple times to send your resume to other folks that they might know when you see LinkedIn on LinkedIn that they're connected to the office you're applying to, absolutely okay. I mean, just keep in mind, have the confidence. Everyone else is doing it and probably doing it more than you and you've got to beat them. So uh, manage those relationships, look for social, verbal, written clues as to whether you're bothering the person and ask other people's advice. Like, do I need to be more careful? Should I not email this person so frequently? Um, but I think you you are in this business, in this world because you like interacting with people and you understand it. Um, but just know, just have the confidence that other people are being more persistent than you. And often that most persistent person in this business wins. Um, so, but then also put your, your yourself in the shoes of the person doing the hiring, the hiring manager. Would you, as a hiring manager, trust a random email that comes in an inbox? Or would you trust that random email application in inbox, but then also your two best friends send you the same resume that say, this person's good, I worked with her on a campaign, or I worked with him and as an intern, he was tremendous? Absolutely. So you're looking for people that surround that hiring manager, that whatever connection they might have to that office, they're recommending you as the candidate, and that is, that is the key. So I think it's it's good. Let's talk about your eponymous listserv because yes, you're the you are the head of lobbying for Block, but and and you worked for Nancy Pelosi. But how did this listserv come about? It's really famous, and it's actually the reason most people know you because of your name. They actually know your listserv more than they know the man behind. Yeah, the yeah. Thing. People don't think I exist. I said, well, then why would they made? Why would they created some name of a Greek? some strange Greek name. Um, but yeah, so what it was is I, when I started on Capitol Hill, when you're in a leadership officer on all these different distribution lists, and keep in mind, this is in the dark ages of 2002, where there's no LinkedIn, no Twitter, no Facebook, there's none, none of that. And the only way you found out about a job is if someone forwarded you a job posting, of which they are circulated on the intra Capitol Hill listserv. So I was on the chief of staff list, the schedulers list, the legislative directors list, and I knew a lot of people who were looking, and remember, I was in the part of the Democratic Party where the Republicans had the White House, the Republicans had the majority in the House and the Senate, so there are very few jobs for young Democrats. And so I forwarded these job announcements that I was getting in all my, on these lists. And in the networking nature that Capitol Hill is, everyone says, oh, I can get you on this exclusive list. I'm going to get you on Tom Maris on the jobs list. And all it was for years with me cutting and pasting all the jobs that would come in my inbox each day, putting them in the drafts of my hotmail and hitting send at the end of the day to the point where I was managing a list of like 4,000 emails that then thank God Yahoo groups came along that made it automated. And that it in after Obama, when it went from 4,000 4, to 14,000 people in one year, and I was, and my wife made fun of me, who, and she, by the way, she worked for President Bush, she says, you send this unformatted hotmail and everyone knows your name because of this silly email you send, you need to create a like, professional website. So she was right, as always. And, I, and we jointly created it, made it, made it nonpartisan or bipartisan, whatever you want to call it. We post every job 
that we can find in the Capitol Hill, obviously Capitol, that's our, that's our bread and butter, but private sector, nonprofits, campaigns, anything in the policy or political or government space. We even post uh, in our other government um, section, state houses, mayors, um, county council too. Um, and so it's really the, we try to just like break down the barrier of knowing about them that if it's in the political policy world, it's probably on our website. And then also the internships, more and more internships are being paid in DC, which thank God is wonderful because it just opens the door to so many other people that wouldn't be able to afford to live in this town on a on no money for an internship. Um, and it just opens the door for so many other people to experience and see if they like this, this work. Um, so that list, that in the way we do it is we post the jobs um, that in the last 24 hours, at the end of the night after I've edited them, we um, send an a, a email out in the next morning at 9.15 a.m. every day, every work day. And you can just stay on that list for free on the email list. But if you want full access to the website and the posting, you pay $5 a month or it's discounted for six months or 12 months. But the point is, is that you can stay on that list and it just keeps, you keep getting it. And if you see a, a job that you are, again, helping other people, you forward the email. And, um, or if you see a job that you might like, uh, you, you click on it and, and pay the nominal fee to do it. But that's the point. And then the other resources that we've housed on the site is we do a bunch of videos like this where how do you get a job in the White House? I, I interviewed two former Obama people. How do you get a job on Capitol Hill? I've done a number of those with both Republicans and Democrats. Um, I did one recently on resume tips for people that actually professionally write resumes for people and then HR that places people from Capitol Hill in their private sector jobs around the around the city and the, the nation. Um, so a lot of those talks that we have, try to have resources like that for people to, to help them figure this, this whole thing out. So we have um, our undergraduate college out in Vermont and we have our graduate school out in California. And oftentimes I have students from those campuses that are in very heavily democratic states, but they're Republican. Or on the flip side, I've had um, students that are Democrats that, you know, are originally from Iowa. How do you navigate the hill when, you know, I, so you talk to me about like how ideally you should really be going for jobs in your home state, but if you don't really belong to that party, what, what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. The, that is one thing about working at Capitol Hill. If you have a shared connection with the home district, home state, they will hire you over everybody else if everything else is equal, like absolutely. But if you're a Democrat from Arkansas or a Republican from Vermont, it's hard, right? Those people do exist in DC and you gotta find them because they're gonna be even more fired up to help you because you're part of that you know, minority small group of people within that state. But two, you also find other connections that make you you. So when I was looking for a job on Capitol Hill, uh, our, like I mentioned, our family's Greek American, I found every Greek American that worked on Capitol Hill in Washington DC and asked them for an informational coffee. I found every person that went to my undergrad school, even though they might have been a law school graduate, we still share the same commonality. And so we had that heritage. I went to everyone in my grad school, found, I don't care if I went to the grad school and they was an undergrad, they were both of that same background. And I asked them for coffee. Um, fraternity and sorority similarities, ethnicity, race, like you find every connection that could possibly make you a common thread. The, the example I always give is that there's a young woman who, I was Greek American who uh, wanted a, a job on Capitol Hill. She asked me for coffee. 
um, I got coffee with her. She said she was going to go back to Georgia. She, like someone, she was a Democrat from Red Ruby Red Georgia at the time, who's going to go back and work on a campaign. I said, whenever that Democrat loses, come back and I'll help you find a job. In fact, he did lose. But then I pushed hard for her to get an internship in Pelosi's house because not only was she super impressive, but I felt the need to help a fellow Greek American. And in three years, she became the number two, or four years, she became the number two in the press office from an intern. Just unbelievable. She's, she's an incredible person and very skilled. Um, but I went to bat for her a little bit more because that shared commonality. So there are folks that will obviously go to bat for you just because they find um, you impressive or think you're good. But that shared commonality is an additional step that really does help people. So you just got to make, figure out what makes you you. So if you're from California, and they're all the electives in your part of the state are Democrats. Go join the California State Society kickball team. Go to the events that your alumni association is putting on. Um, you will find other people that doesn't have to be the same political party that will that will go to bat for you, and even the opposite political party. Um, and you just got to go outside that traditional home state party identification and find other folks that can help you out. Does that help? Um. I had, you were talking about resume tips. Um, I guess I want to talk about entry-level jobs uh, for internships and for entry-level positions on Capitol Hill. Should it be one page or, you know, what, what should they look like? Absolutely one page. Um, I knew somebody who worked for President Clinton's administration and Nancy Pelosi and a number of members of Congress who's 20 years into his career and he only had a one-page resume. If he had one page, Anyone undergrad can have one page. I would not reference um, much high school um, people hiring in post like post grad um, jobs on Capitol Hill. Yes, you might have been your senior class president and captain of your field hockey team, but you, you probably shouldn't list it. Um, leadership role or real world like uh, job experiences are much more important. So it doesn't matter that you were you know, a volunteer on a political campaign and you were the paid uh, greeter at the local library, like that matters because you're doing the same type of skills and functions that you would be doing at congressional office as the front desk that are answering the phone for constituents and greeting people that come to visit the member of Congress. Like those, those skills are trans transferable and would be valued. So when you're writing a resume, ask yourself and read that description of, what are they looking for and what past experience do I have that is applicable? And write that resume and that cover letter, letter to a T to, to address what is in that job description. One time I was hiring uh, for something that it was an advanced job that specifically had events-based experience. And this per people write about this, they studied all this great stuff in school. They wrote a dissertation on campaigns, but they had zero experience doing events. Like literally they'd never set up an event before and they were wasting my time applying for that. So maybe they did have that in their background, but they didn't address in their cover letter or their resume. So, and there are, there are only are so many jobs on Capitol Hill that are different. So there, there's your staff assistant, there's your legislative correspondent, there's your else legislative assistant. So that they're not very diverse in terms of the skill set. So when you do some of these informational talks, you kind of figure out what they're looking for in these different roles. And you're gonna write a staff assistant resume, you're gonna write an intern resume, you're gonna write a you know, legislative correspondent resume that's more writing heavy, and you're gonna write it so that you, those are almost, you know, you can send those depending upon the type of job you're applying for. And then just 
attention to detail is so important. You know, when you write that cover letter, make sure it's addressed to the right person. Um, any, when I was reviewing um, resumes and they wrote, you know, my name of dear Amber or dear John instead of Tom, it went right into the trash because if they can't take the time and pay attention to detail on an application to a job that it should be important to them, they don't, they're not going to do that in their, in their normal job day to day. It's just a representation. It's a quick snapshot of who you are and what you're bringing to the table for that job. So it's super important. Um, and, you know, double and triple check things and have people read it over that should never be a typo in your resume. That's an automatic red flag to folks. Um, the two successes that I found in politics and policy and government affairs and, and government is hard work and attention to detail. You can work your butt off, but if you're turning over a product or product that's not reliable for your boss, that's not valued. And if you if you turn over a good product, but you're not willing to put the extra hours in, that's not valued either. So it's really that combination of hard work and attention to detail has led for, to a lot of people I've seen have success. Um, how many resumes do does one job announcement get and does it matter do you, should you apply like put everything down and apply right away or you know wait till the evening what would you recommend capitol hill people hire quickly um they don't close months in advance it's more like the person just gave me the two weeks notice i gotta hire someone before he or she leaves it's quick so when you see the opening apply right away that's why you should have these pre-written resumes for like the positions you're going for. Um, you do get two very entry level, one, two, 300 resumes in the first 24 hours. So that's why you, you've done all that work to build that network that you can then rely upon and always, always, always apply via the normal channel. But then you're gonna email all the people that you've networked with saying, hey, I just applied to this, this job. Um, and this is in a black email, it's one email one-to-one -one. so you're emailing me and Priya saying hey I just applied to Anna Eshi's office I, I remember you worked for Nancy Cook if you happen to know anyone in that office or Faria I, I just applied to you know um Senator Graham's office do you know any Middlebury alumni that work in that in the South Carolina delegation or of course Senator Graham um and you always attach your resume to that email to make it easy for that person to then just forward along to the person they might know in that office being like hey She's super smart, or this guy's really great. Like, I hope you consider him. I worked with him a little bit in this capacity, or I did an informational interview, and he's really impressive. I hope you consider them. Just picture that pile, those 200 resumes, and what's going to get yours on top? It's going to your network, have people send it in. That's the key. Thanks, Tom. Um, let's say you get that, you get that coveted interview. What questions are kind of typical and in what should one anticipate uh, that you could potentially, you know, it's different than like a, another, um, you know, an interview in a different industry. Um, I think it's going to, they're going to be asking, well, I would say it's similar in nature that they're going to want to know what skills you bring or what experiences you bring that would be applicable to the job you're applying to. So what, like what retail work did you do that would be applicable to being the front desk staffer at a congressional office. Um, how did you manage uh, a very exhausting, you know, tiring job that Capitol Hill is uh, in your in your past? And you can rely upon your retail work, you can rely upon campaign work. Um, in entry level, they're not asking you for policy expertise. And no offense to people who are working hard on their degrees, they don't care what you majored in. Uh, they're just looking for your real world experience. It's going to make you not 
I don't want to say not embarrassed member of Congress or Senator, but that really was it is. You, you need to know that you can't say or do things that would injure them politically or with a constituent or an important person, but that also that you make them shine. You're proud of the boss. You're proud of the work you'd be doing. You, you're hungry to work hard and pay attention to detail and be underpaid because every position on Capitol Hill is underpaid and overworked. Um, they want, they want to, they want, when they're hiring, they want someone who's passionate about the boss, passionate about the position, who's going to hard, work hard and pay attention to detail. That's the key. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's no one typical question that I'm aware of that people ask in Capitol Hill. It's just that, that the recognition that you got to start on a little man on the totem pole or a woman on the totem pole and work your way up and that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Tom, can you tell me about Hill adjacent positions or internship opportunities? And I ask this question because I always have students who really try hard and, you know, they're just out of luck. They just can't, you know, get that internship um, on Capitol Hill and they have to wait another year. So in the meantime, what would you recommend they do? Um, Work at a nonprofit a company, a trade association, or a lobbying firm that is doing the type of work that they want to do. Um, don't go work for a organization that works on a policy issue that you don't believe in. Um, don't go work for uh, a organization that might be politically toxic to the party that you want to work for. Um, but there are plenty of jobs and they call Washington DC the trade association capital world because there's literally a trade association for everything. I mean, there's a sand and gravel trade association because sand and gravel is important for construction. There's a the candy confectioners association. I mean, literally there's an association for whatever industry you can think of. Um, and there's a plenty of those jobs and internships. If you get to work with the people that do government affairs who are interacting with the Hill often, that's important. Um, going to nonprofits or think tanks that do some of the work that you're passionate about, the policy areas that you're passionate about. Um, and you're right, there are times where they're just out of luck or their party's out of power and it's just really hard to find a job. Um, definitely. Um, but that's where you do that work, that entry level work uh, in DC, but then you go to campus. The people get the, the quickest path to a congressional office is having some background of like an internship on the Hill or doing this Hill adjacent work and then going on a campaign that wins and then that campaign that candidate brings you to town with their congressional office or at least that team that's coming here knows how good you are and then helps you find a job on the Hill once uh, that staff has been filled out in that temporary. Does that help? It does. And it actually leads into another question I had. And this is kind of, I think everybody's dream is to work in the White House? And do you really have to have worked on their campaign? I know that's probably the easiest way, but the very far and few positions, how, and, but I know a lot of people who have, who have actually had the privilege of working in the White House. How, how does one, how does one go about that and strategize and, and get there? It's hard. It's super hard. As someone who failed at it, uh, it's very, very hard. Uh, my wife and brother-in-law got to work there, I have a lot of good friends who worked for um, both Bush and Obama, uh, and one Trump, and then a bunch of Biden. And it's 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 a it's a really a constellation of a lot of luck and hard work. So you have to be within the um, you have to know a lot of people within the inner circle of the decision makers, 
And I would really point to the video on my website uh, that working for a White House administration. It's a very complicated process. On Capitol Hill, the member of Congress and their chief of staff is the CEO of their little company, right? It's the congressional district of the 8th district of Ohio that they control everything over. In the administration, there's something called the Presidential Personnel Office that sits at the White House. That office is empowered to for all the political appointments, not only in the White House, but in all, all the different agencies around the administration. And just because you have it in with the Secretary of Interior doesn't mean you're going to get that job because the White House has to sign off on it. And there's a whole process that I, I can get into, but the video does a great job of doing it. But bottom line is that the White House Presidential Personnel Office has a liaison called the White House Liaison at the agency. There's an HR rep for that PPO, uh, Presidential Personnel Office. That person figures out what positions are open, the slate of candidates that can be considered is gotten from the White House, given to them. They then work with the Secretary of Senior Staff to decide on a slate of 10 folks, they interview them, but the final sign-off is back at the White House. In similar nature, the offices within the White House have to work with the President's personal office to fill those positions, and then the heads of those individual little offices make those decisions on who's hired. But it's the reason it's quarterbacked by the President's personnel office is they have the, the direction from the President him or herself as to the types of hires that they want. Diversity standards, um, education level, like everything is, is, is managed by that HR function within a White House. But you gotta know a ton of people at the upper rings of the political operation and that surround the president or vice president. Um, and you gotta like talking about people sending your resume in, you gotta find the most important political touch points to the president and his or her surrounding inner circle that would feel the need to satisfy the annoying things about you as a candidate. So is our labor unions important to this president? Are industry trade associations important to this president? Can you have donors send in your resume? Can you have a childhood friend of the president send in your resume? I mean, that is where you really have to have a very strong network that like literally everyone is saying, you are the most qualified person for this position. You need to hire this person. And it takes a lot of that constellation of aligning with the stars. Internships cannot hurt. I know a lot of people that they got a job at the White House because of the White House internship. That's a, that's a selective process in, in of itself. It's really hard to get. Um, but a lot of people, that's in anything in the political process starts in turn. Yes, a new administration does help to have worked on the campaign, but in no way is an automatic end. I knew somebody who worked for the Biden campaign for two plus years that never got a job in the White House, the administration still yet and were, you know, over the end. Uh, so it's not an automatic thing, it's hard. Thanks, Tom. Um, so we just got a question from somebody in our audience. Um, they said, how many times is it acceptable to move back and forth from the private sector to government work? Um, I think it's acceptable. Um, it's often done very, very frequently. I will say, um, if you want to work in the government affairs world and lobbying, it helps to get your experience on the early side of your career in government. Because once you move out of government, you're actually working less and getting paid more. So it's hard to go back into government from a financial perspective, from a, a life family perspective. Um, and some political parties, um, I don't think discriminate, but like will not hire you as quickly if you're coming from ministry because they assume you're, or, or people could accuse them of that individual doing the bidding of companies or industry wins out of government, which you never want that perception to be made no matter what political party you're part of. So um, that is one flag. I, but again, like if you're, if you're, 
in, early in your career, you're usually able to work harder for less money. And that's why I go get that government experience on the front end and then get it, the experience on the outside. But to Faria's earlier question of like, you, you've tried so hard, you can't get a job on the Hill or in government. So you start in the private sector. That's totally fine. I know a ton of people who have become a policy expert in issue area then get that job on the Hill. I've known people that go to a law school or grad school that then go onto the Hill or in the administration after that experience. Um, but it's really about that networking. It's, it's how many people can recommend you to that job uh, when it's available. Uh, and that's, that's truly the key. It's less about the back and forth between private sector and, and the government. Any parting words of advice for our undergraduate students and our graduate students that are watching you today? Um, just build that network. Uh, attention to detail and hard work are the keys uh, to success in this industry. Um, but I always, I always say, like, if you're ever, if you ever do want, do want to do a one-on-one -on -one coffee with me, virtual coffee, phone call, um, happy to do it. it. Might take a month or two for me to schedule because it's so busy my day job, and then these informational copies that I do. But it's just my first initial last name at gmail.com, tmanitas at gmail.com. Uh, email me again. It might take a while to schedule, but have, always happy to do it. Um, and then kind of help you think through your path to that dream job or dream internship. Um, and then utilize my website, utilize the resources that are on there, and then just keep shaking the tree to find out, uh, find people who are willing to talk with you. And, and then the one key that I left out is in those informational copies, after you've done the research on the person before the, before the informational copy, and you get a lot of great advice during that coffee information of you, you never leave the conversation without asking for one other person to talk to, because that might be your Middlebury strand or might be your hometown strand, but then they, you talk about your interested in environmental policy and they put you in touch with their friend who is the legislative assistant for environmental policy, then put you in touch with the chief of staff that ends up hiring you, that you got to build that web and you only keep doing that by asking for another person. And then when this coffee's finished, you always send a thank you email with your resume attached, reminding that individual or the person they promised to put you in touch with. And the reason you put the resume in the email is that chief of staff might come up to that person and say, hey, you know that interns are cutting it. Do you know anyone who'd be good for staff? It's like, oh, I just met with this young woman from my, my alma mater. She's amazing. I'll send you the resume. And that, that post was never, never made it to my website. It's never emailed out. Chief of staff got a shortcut to a good candidate. And then you get that interview just based upon that informational copy you did. So you got to build a network with that additional ask of a person, make it easy for the other person by attaching a resume and you never know where that'll go. Um, but it's those keys and those combinations that, that get you there. I have one question that before we end today, and somebody's asking about um, what are the specific skills one should highlight on their resume? Um, and, you know, I know our, like what my resume looked like 20 years ago is so different from what sure. your students should, I mean, should they talk about social media skills or should, should they mention, like we used to mention like PowerPoint and Excel and it seems silly now, but you know, yeah. I'm curious, like what, what would you recommend? Um, again, I would write it to the job you're applying to and in a job description, you should be able to pull out some of the things that are valued. Um, so if you are applying for a staff assistant on Capitol Hill, staff assistants are basically customer service for the member of Congress. They pick up the phone and answer important phone calls whether it's the president of the United States or a constituent or a voter. And you want to say that you're able to do that job, that you have a 
that you have previous experience that would be similar that you have a kind disposition that you're you know get along with coworkers and people that you've represented a position or institution well in the past um but in terms of like the basic like stuff at the bottom of the resume that everyone should have i don't think there is necessarily a subset of things because if you're younger than 30 years old you probably know social media better than anyone who's hiring you know so that would be like like us having powerpoint word like yeah duh everyone knows that so it has those skills so i don't know that there's any like subset of critical things i just can't emphasize enough write the resume to the job you're applying to and don't just do it out of thin air like get people's advice like all those people you do coffee with someone who seems interested in you and helping you saying hey i've written like a kind of a draft staff assistant resume can you take a look at it and they'll ask the people in the environment now go to the capitol hill find people who are staff assistants say hey how is this staff assistant resume go to capitol hill, find people who are legislative correspondents how's this resume for a job that like yours like would, does this make sense what am i missing go to ask the people or similarly if you're applying a job in the private sector and you want to do government affairs ask those people what your resume should look like go to the source of where you're trying to apply and get there thank you tom for um being so kind to share your personal email address also and being willing to speak to middlebury students and i encourage everyone um, listening today to also you know contact me we have a pretty extensive um, uh, network on Capitol Hill as well and, and, and take Tom's advice and approach those folks and you know, just ask them for like a short informational interview. Um, it's really helpful and, and people are, are quite willing to help because um, as Tom mentioned, everyone was in your shoes at, at some point, everyone started uh, somewhere. And so uh, people are always willing to help or at least point you in the right direction. Uh, but Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was really a pleasure. Um, it was nice to catch up with you also since we haven't seen each other in a while because of the pandemic. But um, thanks again for speaking to our students today. Happy to do it. Thanks, Leah. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.